Welcome to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. My name is Jenna, and in this series, I'll be speaking to plastic surgery residents and giving you an inside look at what it's like to train at their institution. We'll discuss the logistics, the leadership, and the lifestyle of a plastics resident at their program. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. David Rividal and Dr. Spencer Klein, who are residents at the Medical College of Wisconsin in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. David is a fifth-year resident. He's originally from Franklin, Wisconsin, completed college and medical school at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and he plans to complete a fellowship in hand surgery. Spencer is a second-year resident. He's originally from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, completed college at the University of Iowa, and also went to medical school at UW-Madison. His academic interests include hand surgery and microsurgery. David, Spencer, welcome to the podcast. Thanks a lot. Thank you. So I'd love it if you could give me a broad overview of the program at MCW. MCW is an integrated plastic surgery program. There's two residents per year. Breaking it down, you do your intern year mainly on general surgery. Your second year, we've recently changed. I guess it was about two years ago. We've changed to splitting it six months on plastic surgery and six months on basically general surgery. So you get around 18 months of general surgery in your first two years, and then the rest is plastics. So when I was an intern, you got three months on plastics when you were an intern, and then three months as a second year. So we've added an additional three months within the last two years. That's kind of the breakdown of general surgery. There's some other off-service rotations. You do a month on anesthesia, you do a month in the emergency department when you're an intern, and then other than the three months, you get the rest is general surgery. As a third year, you're kind of basically on plastic surgery from then on out, in addition to a couple of other off-service things that we can talk about later. Overall, I think there's 13, 14 staff. There's some staff who've been there for a very long time. Some uh, We have some new staff that have been there that have started in the last year or two. And overall, I think it's a really well-run program. Everybody, I think, gets along really well. Overall, it's a really good program. Just to add to that, I would say that there's 12 residents, two per year. We have fellows in craniofacial and hand, as well as a microfellow. There's two hand fellows and they split time between orthopedic surgery and plastic surgery. So there's never like two fellows on our service at the same time. And craniofacial fellows are not not always every year. Like we didn't have one last year, but we have, the, have one this year. It just kind of depends on the year. And micro is sort of similar, although that they tend to have one every year. Generally speaking, it is a hand and micro heavy program. Yeah, definitely. We do a bunch of hand a lot of free flaps. We do a lot of hand, a lot of micro, for sure. And how would you say having the fellows there impacts your experience? It definitely helps your experience as a resident. They're not like stealing cases from you. It's definitely very reasonable. Like for microsurgery, we do a lot of deep flaps for breast reconstruction, a lot of bilateral deep flaps. So Oftentimes, the resident will do one side, meaning the chest dissection, the micro on one side, the fellow will do the other side. And then with lower extremity reconstruction, we do a great deal of that. Kind of similarly, there's enough to split things up with the, with the fellow. From a hand standpoint, the fellow is involved with rounding, and then you split it up with the hand resident, which is either a third or a fourth year. And there's enough stuff going on between 
the VA where the fellow goes a few times a week and then what's going on at the main hospital and at Children's that it's certainly you're not losing cases because of the fellow. Definitely for hand. And then at Children's, which is where actually the rotation I'm on right now with the craniofacial fellow, she's very helpful. She rounds. I mean, she's been around more. I mean, I haven't seen many cleft lips and palates until this year. So it's helpful to have her around to help with managing patients and the vault patients and things like that. So it's very helpful, I think. And you mentioned a couple of the different sites you go through, but could you go through those one by one? So the main hospital is called Freighter, Freighter Hospital. Uh, that's where the main reconstruction team is for the most part. That is run by a six, a five. Then there's usually a four that's there for a portion of the week. And then there's a two sometimes and an intern, sometimes two interns, right? Yeah. And it's a big service. So there's many, there's a lot of staff. I think right now the list that they're, that they're dealing with is 30 plus patients. Not that they're round, they don't need to round on every single one of them. That's not 30 primaries, but there's a lot of patients. It was 42 today. Children's is not that busy, that's for sure. Um, right now with the COVID thing, the, the OR, is it's basically back up to normal. We have two rooms every day, and then now we have three rooms two days a week, I think. Whereas before the virus, it was three rooms, and it, everybody's dealing with that just as an institutional standpoint. We're very busy. And the service is very busy, a lot of lower extremity reconstruction, breast reconstruction, hand trauma, basic hand, breast reductions, occasional cosmetics. It's a very broad place. So that's Freighter. That's Freighter. So Children's Hospital is attached to Freighter, which is the main hospital. They're separate entities, but they're, you know, you can walk from wherever you park. And there's uh, Dr. Havlick, who's the chair of the department's over there, Dr. Jensen. Basically, there's a lot of cleft lip and palate. We do Almost every week we do a cranial vault for sagittal synostosis or frontal orbital advancement. The fifth-year residents spend six months over there during residency. And then you split your time. Basically, I'm doing three months there, and then I'll go back to freighter, and then I'll go back to children's. I actually really have been enjoying it. The cases are interesting. I hadn't really had much experience with kids beforehand. And then also now, as a third year, you get two months to also spend at children's. So I have Raquel, who's one of the third years on service with me right now. And it's good. It's a, it's a good hospital. The nurses are great. It's really nice. Then we have the VA. The VA, which is, what is it, about 12-minute drive from Freighter? 10, 12 minutes, yeah. give or take. Mm-hmm. It's a really good VA. And from a plastic surgery standpoint, you get to work with doctors Matt Lube and Dr. Sanger and Dr. Dorzinski. They've been at MCW for, well, Sanger and Matt Lube for 40 years. Mm-hmm. And Dorzinski has been the program director there for, I think, 25, 30 years. He's seen and done everything. It's basically a chief and either a second or a third year that's on that service. So Spencer will get to do that at some point this year. It's awesome. The case-wise, it's a lot of bread and butter hand, in addition to some really complicated hands, like guys who've had multiple tendon transfers or terrible wrist arthritis or getting redo arthroplasty or fusions. And then also there's a big spinal cord unit. So a lot of pressure ulcer reconstruction. And the Milwaukee VA actually is a VA that does breast reconstruction. So we'll do occasionally tissue expander, reconstruction, things like that. And you get to also run a clinic every Wednesday, which is kind of the first time you do clinic. 
and there's a good autonomy to be like, oh, this guy needs carpal tunnel surgery. Let's sign him up and do it in a week. So it's a, it's a really awesome rotation. I think everybody loves that rotation. Just yeah. working with Sanger, Matt, with Dorzinski, it's just amazing. It's like a highlight, absolute highlight of the program. And you also do Community Memorial, which is a hospital north of Milwaukee, about 20 minutes. And as a third and a fourth year, you're up there whenever the staff is operating, which I think Dr. Adamson's up there Mondays, and Dr. Hettinger is there Thursdays. Dr. Hettinger also operates at Freighter, but he does a lot of hand surgery up there, and you really get to, you really learn how to do hand surgery with him. It's really great rotation. Then when you're not operating up there, you are on the freighter service typically, so you kind of it's kind of a hybrid rotation. You're not spending your whole time out in the community there. And then we also have a cosmetic rotation now. You do two months as a fourth year and one month as a sixth year, and you work with two docs in the community, Dr. Bospis, who operates out at West Bend, which is another community hospital, a little bit farther than Community Memorial, and then Dr. Yusuf, who works at Columbia St. Mary's, which is a different hospital system in town. And that's where you see a lot of breast and body cosmetics and then also some facial cosmetics too. Dr. Yusuf, well, they both do facelifts. Dr. Yusuf does typically a few more. He does quite a few facelifts and rhinoplasties. And when you're on that service, you're that's what you're doing. You're doing cosmetics. So you're basically, whenever they're operating, you're operating with them. And then whenever they're in clinic and the other guy's not operating, you do clinic too. You also get some experience with Botox and fillers uh, with Dr. Yusuf. So that is also a new addition since I've been a resident. So we used to not have that opportunity. So now it's really nice to get that cosmetic experience when you're when you need it. It helps with learning about it, the in-service, and then your numbers for residency too. Is there a chief cosmetic clinic? There is. That's every Friday, I believe. Friday afternoon, the the chiefs go to the cosmetic clinic and then they see post-op patients and they can sign people up for surgery. There's a staff that staffs obviously with them. They can do fillers and Botox and things like that. I think one of the chiefs last year did like a big massive weight loss case, like uh, massive weight loss mastopexy and abdominoplasty. Are there any opportunities for like electives that you choose in the later years? I don't necessarily know if there's a way to choose a specific elective or elective time. However, the program is extremely open to changing rotations as needed based on resident feedback. So that is to say that, for example, there was a want for more cosmetic experience and that feedback was taken seriously. And within a year or two years of that feedback being brought to the residents, bam, we had two more months added in as a... We didn't have really any rotation. Mm -hmm. It was two months where basically two months went to fourth year residents and then one month to the chiefs. And that before wasn't, that wasn't on the table as a, like a requirement. Yeah, that's a good point. We've made a lot of changes recently based on feedback. There was a want for younger residents to see craniofacial a little bit earlier. And within a couple of years of that suggestion, mm-hmm. we have now a three rotating for a small period of time, at two least months. To get in two months to yeah. get introduced to craniofacial and pediatric rotation associated with plastic surgery. Yeah, we used to do a orthopedic hand surgery rotation with the orthopods at Freighter. And we have taken that off of the rotations for the third years and had them go to craniofacial now because we do so much hand on our side. We decided that that was a way to change. 
And then we also do a rotation in dermatology, oculoplastics, and I think that's it. We used to do oral surgery, but they don't have that residency at our place anymore. So we don't have that anymore. So that's the long-winded way of saying that there are not specific electives, but if there is a need for something to be done, the residency program as a whole is very conducive to it. If you want a specific month somewhere else, you could maybe look into it. I don't know the exact route to that, but we have good electives and they change with what we need. Is there exposure to gender affirmation surgery? We do top surgery. We do more and more of that at Freighter Community Memorial and at Children's too. We have not done any bottom surgery during my residency. I don't know if that's in the pipeline or what uh, exactly, but top surgery for sure, but not bottom at this point. And I think it's interesting to note that one of our trainees, Dr. Nick Kim, went on to do a fellowship in in Belgium. In, in Belgium, that's yeah. right. I think in Belgium. He's now in Minneapolis. Yeah. Heading up their program there. Yeah, he does he does bottom surgery too. Are there any opportunities to go on either short or longer global surgery experiences? So we have a connection with a program in Colombia that Dr. Sanger and Matt Lube have been They've been going there for like 35 years or 30 years. Uh, Every February they go down usually for two weeks or so. And they've actually set up a residency program down there. So they actually have a plastics program down in Columbia. And then residents and staff go down there for one to two weeks uh, every year. Unfortunately, not this year because of the virus. But oftentimes senior residents go on that trip, fives and fours, fives and sixes. You go down for a week at a time. I haven't gone on the trip. I'm hoping to go next year when it's when we can. Uh, but everybody says it's a awesome trip. They, there's really interesting patients. They see a whole bunch of patients. They do a whole lot of surgery. And I haven't heard anybody say anything bad about it. It's a really great opportunity. How would you want to improve your program? I think that's a good question. That is a good um, question. To be honest, I think it's I think it's a really extremely well-rounded program. From what I'm interested in, hand surgery, microsurgery, I honestly I don't think there's much I would improve. I think I guess from a, you know, overall, I think the weakest part of the program is cosmetic surgery, but like we said, that's improving and I don't think it's some glaring weakness at this point because of the improvement in the, the, the because of the cosmetic rotations. But I know when I was applying for residency, that was the weakness that everybody said for plastic surgery programs for the most part. It's hard in an academic institution to have really super strong cosmetic surgery. Otherwise, I think we have good conferences. We have great staff. I think seemingly everybody's pretty happy. You can still have a life outside of your job. I mean, I don't have much to improve at this point. I've I've been really happy and satisfied with the program. I would say, too, as a younger resident and somebody who did an away rotation here and was very excited about the program and fortunate to match here, looking forward in the years to come, it'll be interesting to see what changes are made because the staff is such a good mix of young and highly motivated attendings as well as more experienced attendings who have been with this program for a significant amount of time that everybody's here for the right reasons, I think. And I think that the program is very 
adaptable to the needs as they come. You know, the cosmetic experience is a great example of that. I'm not sure if there are any glaring things that needed to change in the short term right now. Mm-hmm. I think that that was the talk of the program in the last few years was like getting, was getting more cosmetic experience and mm-hmm. that has since changed. You take more call when you're a junior resident compared to when you're more senior, like primary call. So every year it gets better from a call standpoint until then when you're most senior, you take more backup call, which you're not dealing with the basic consults in the emergency department. You're just kind of helping when needed and when you're going to the OR. I think it's good. Are there any particularly awesome perks you'd like to share? You get a hundred bucks a month in the cafeteria, which is nice. It's nice. Uh, it's very nice, actually. Parking is free. Some places I know you have to pay for parking, which is good. We got a coat for Christmas uh, the other year, which is nice. And then for the residents, you get you get a small stipend in addition to your salary twice a year. It's like fifteen hundred bucks, and you can use that for loops and books and things like that. Mm-hmm. For in service, if you score within the top, I think it's ninetieth percentile. You get a stipend for a set of books, which is nice. So it's kind of an incentive to do well on the inserts. The other perks, and this is an interesting perk, but I think it's a perk and I think it deserves to be talked about, is I think that your general surgery experience here is really good. I think, oh, yeah. I think that the general surgery attendings and the different general surgery rotations that you do really value you as a young resident and treat you just like they would treat any other general surgery resident. You get good operative opportunity. Even laparoscopy, you get to do some of that, which is a transferable skill, I'd say. I think that the general surgery experience is exceptional. I mm-hmm. and Yeah, I agree. The, and I think that your co-interns and the general surgery cohort, they become very good friends of yours. There's not any animosity between the two groups. And it is a really strong group to work with. So I think that that's kind of a perk, too. Definitely. I'd like to hear a little bit about what the research expectations are like and what kind of support there is for your research. In June every year, we have a research day. So the expectation is you every resident has a project that they are working on throughout the year. And Spencer, who was an intern last year, he had to start a project and there's lists of projects that staff have put out there. And you basically start in the summertime, you write the IRB, and then you work through your chart review or your basic science project or whatever it may be. And there are meetings we have throughout the year to you know make sure that people are working on the project, essentially. Then you present. Usually we have a visiting professor that day. And then you, you give your short talk and... Ideally, you can have an abstract done and you can submit it to national, you know, national regional meetings. So that's kind of the gist of the research year. And you can continue a project from last year. Like I did a project last year that I presented. I'm going to expand on that and continue to do that project in a slightly different vein. But also in previous years, I started a new project in between years. And you can definitely submit things and get posters and stuff on national meetings. And it's a good way to do research. Support-wise, we don't have like a research month or a research year. It is kind of on your own volition to get the project done. So I think sometimes early on in residency, when you're really doing a lot of general surgery, it is more difficult because your your call schedule, you're just kind of 
tied to the hospital a lot more, whereas later on, your free time is a little bit more your own time, so you have more time to do stuff like that. I think that the research opportunities are varied based on the attendings, and there are attendings with interests in pretty much everything. Lucas, one of the residents, did some pretty interesting research in cosmetic stuff this past year, and there is quite a bit of hand research going on, micro research. Dr. Hoban heads up a rat lab with and is doing some pretty groundbreaking stuff with TMR research. There's all sorts of different opportunities for research and all of the attendings have subtle differences in terms of their interests so you can find something that mm-hmm. you want to pursue. Transitioning a little bit to hear more about your program leadership. So, can you tell me about your chair and your PD? Chair is Dr. Havlick. He used to be the chair at Indiana. I think he, he's been the chair for, for me my whole five years. I think he's been here for seven or eight years. He's a wonderful guy. He's really very nice, very approachable. He spends time at Children's Hospital doing cleft lip and palate and some congenital hand, and then also uh, hand surgery and general plastics at the freighter. Also facial trauma. He takes facial trauma call too. And then the program director is Dr. Drozinski. He's mainly a hand surgeon. He also does melanoma, so he'll do wide local excisions, and then also do the sentinel node biopsies and then the subsequent reconstructions. You spend a lot of time with him when you're the hand resident, your third and your fourth year. He's really a good guy. He's he's a funny guy. He likes indie music, which is kind of what I'm into as well, so we always have pretty good conversations. They're both really, really nice and great guys. Dr. Havlick, just as a chair, is very in tune with the residency. We had a meeting just this past week. Once a month we meet with Dr. Havlick, just the residents, just to kind of check in. And it's an informal opportunity to bring up concerns about the program or changes, and it's always a very useful time, I would say. Dr. D, he likes to razz you a little bit, in a good way. I (laughs) I made the awful mistake of running a marathon with him, and to this day I'm suffering from that experience. Yeah, he's a big runner. He's very, he runs all the time. They're both really great to work with and it's been great training with them. They are wonderful leadership for the program. You already mentioned, you know, how the program can be receptive in terms of they've brought in, you know, new electives and different opportunities, even during your time there. Do you have any other examples of a time when more so you brought up an issue or a concern and how they responded? Or a time they advocated for the residents? Recently with COVID, we've pretty significantly changed our conference schedule. So that's been spearheaded by Dr. Adamson and Dr. Morgan. Obviously dealing with these WebEx, Zoom meetings multiple times a week. We've just made some kind of logistical changes to some of our conferences and how we do basically resident learning from a yeah. conference standpoint. So we used to do an indications conference essentially every Monday, and we've morphed that into a monthly indications conference, and then there's some some other new case-based learnings just from a teaching standpoint. Dr. Morgan, actually, he's one of the hand surgeons. He's interested in residency teaching, and he sent out a survey to see how people like to learn a questionnaire, and then has used that to kind of change some of these conferences. So not that it was an issue that everybody was bringing up, I would say. It just is a way to change. Some change is good change, and we've done that just in the last few months. They're very receptive. In a 
more personal way too in terms of dealing with challenges. We each have a attending mentor and mine was Dr. Morgan and we met not infrequently throughout the year in person to talk about, you know, just to have a friendly conversation about how things were going and in addition to that, I think just because as an intern you're off service as a participating in general surgery rotation so much, he would also call me from time to time and just check in and see how things were going because sometimes as a general surgery intern resident from the plastic surgery side of things, plastic surgery feels very far away. So it's a nice check-in to be like, oh yeah, I'm here for plastic surgery and these are my attendings and they mm -hmm. still know that I exist. And yeah. So you don't necessarily pursue research with them or go to more of their procedures. It's more on that like personal side. You can do research with them, but that's independent of the mentorship. mentorship. And I think you can speak to this more than I can because you're farther along, obviously. But there is a professional mentorship aspect to that relationship as well in terms of how to pick fellowships. And we've had that conversation before that your mentor was very helpful in terms of all those. Yeah, things. absolutely. So yeah, Dr. Hedinger is my mentor and He's mainly does a lot of hand surgery, so he's been helpful with the application process and, and things like that. You can utilize your mentors to help with, you know, basically any, any needs you have, whether it's within the residency and going beyond or just personal. And now I'd love to hear about the relationships amongst the residents. Well, clearly we don't like each other. <laughs> I would say... That was one of the things that I noticed very quickly as a sub-I. And when I talk to students who are looking to match into plastic surgery and really anything, I always tell them to be very critical of the relationship among the residents because you spend a lot of time, whether you like it or not, with those residents. And you kind of live and die by your resident group and the decisions that you make as a whole. So finding a support group that you get along with is very important. I'd say that the, the resident group at MCW was one that I immediately was very interested in and respected. There are truly friendships that form between the residents. The residents go out of their way to protect each other. I golf poorly with you guys from yeah. time to time. So we do things outside of the residency program together. And People are sometimes worried that they are feigning a relationship during the social or other things like that. And that was sure. never, that's not something that has happened here. The other fifth year resident, Lucas, we're very close. We play golf together. His wife and my fiance are close friends. We went on a trip. We both somehow ended up with the same vacation a year and a half ago. So we went down to South Carolina. We do go out for, you know, like team drinks occasionally. I think everybody gets along pretty darn well. I just think it's a good it's a good program. Everybody kind of seems to fit together for the most part. And so now, thinking more about how residents live in Milwaukee, do most own or rent? I think it's a good mix, and it yeah. depends on where you want to be. Mm -hmm. For example, Freighter and the Mikwa complex is in Wauwatosa, which is still, depending on how you look at it, part of Milwaukee. It's about 10 minutes from Milwaukee proper. And I would say that depending on what you're looking for, if you want to live in Milwaukee and have a more urban experience, a lot of people choose to live in Third Ward, which is a really cool, hip, up-and-coming area, which actually is totally beautiful and is super yeah. fun to explore. But if you 
really want to be more in a suburbia or try to get into the housing market, that's absolutely doable as well, especially in Tosa. But there are other areas like New Berlin and West Dallas, where you, which are a little bit farther away, maybe 10 minutes added on, both south and west of Wauwatosa, where you can find places too. When I was initially looking for a house with my wife, my parents were kind of helping us look initially. And my dad said that it's like essentially a candy shop. The houses are just like flying off the market. It's a very fast market here, but mm -hmm. it is a very affordable market, I think. So really, it depends on what you want to do. The yeah. apartments that everybody live in are beautiful. It's mm -hmm. usually like remade lofts with floor-to-ceiling glass, which makes me jealous every time I go visit friends here. But <laughs> I think that there's a really good mix depending on what you're yeah. looking for. I feel like probably house to apartment for residency is probably slightly more than half have a house. I live downtown just outside of Third Ward and it's called Walker's Point. It's a, there's a bunch of little neighborhoods that all have their own kind of character. And, that's because um, you're so hip, though. That's, also, that's true. Yeah, you're, right. You're pretty hip. Come on. So I live downtown, Mang lives downtown, Connor lives downtown, uh, and then I think everybody else lives in a house for the most part, yeah. if, I'm, if I'm thinking correctly. So yeah, the, the hospital itself is kind of unique in that it's this big academic institution, but it's not in the middle of a downtown or in the middle of a big city. It is separate from downtown, but mm -hmm. it's still very easy to get downtown. Like my drive is... 12 minutes in the morning and if I left at 5 p.m. it would be 20 minutes to get back home. I mean it's it's not bad at all. It's definitely very affordable around here. And what's the demographic breakdown in terms of residents that are single, married, kids? Most people are not single. I think that it's skewed a little bit more towards having an SO and yeah. there are quite a few residents who have children. About half are married. I think so. A couple, maybe a quarter have long-term significant others. And then there's a smattering of children. There's more significant others than not, though. If there are other residents like uh, from other programs that I've talked to who are single, and they typically live in downtown Third Ward, and that's totally fine and doable. And then I would say that even if you're thinking about having kids, I actually really like the fact that there are residents who currently have children so that you can ask them advice and really enjoy it. I think that having a kid in residency is terrifying. So having other people that sure. have, you know, dealt with those little boogers mm -hmm. before yeah. helps you. And is it necessary to have a car? I think it is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I know one medical student who commutes on a bike and was doing so to Columbia St. Mary's down by the lake in November. Oh, that's And tough. that guy is a madman though. Other than that, I think you would need some type of transportation. So what are some of the other things that you like about Milwaukee? Uh, I'm from the Milwaukee area. I grew up in a suburb, uh, so I've been around my whole life for the most part. Growing up in the suburbs, so I didn't spend a lot of time downtown or in Wauwatosa. I have, over the last few years, just really grown to love the city. I, there's a lot of small, interesting neighborhoods. There's good food. There's a bunch of new breweries that are really good in town, like good beer. There's good bars, like there's parks, the lakes right there. I mean, if you like golf, there's good public golf. I think it's an awesome city. It's an underrated city. 
I would definitely say that. I, I don't know that it, people maybe overlook it. It's close to Chicago. People are thinking about it. it's Midwest city. They would think of Chicago first, but Milwaukee is, is cool. It's a cool place to live. Totally fallen in love with Milwaukee. I liked Milwaukee before I came here and I liked the idea of Milwaukee, but it wasn't until, I mean, this summer really, I mean, even with COVID, just totally fallen in love with this city. It feels like every time you go down a different street, it's a different little neighborhood, different mm -hmm. vibe. There's really interesting different types of architecture everywhere. Tosa has a very cool feel. There's Tosa Village where there's a ton of little cool shops and coffee places and it has a really interesting like ped mall vibe. And then if you go into the city, I mean, my gosh, there's just there's the art museum there and the lakefront, which is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And there's a ton of walking trails in the Oak Leaf Trail system, which is great. There is Third Ward, which is, and then like, what is it, Bayshore, which is very hip and mm -hmm. like young. Bayview, Bayview. Bayview, Bayview. Yeah. And then if you go up north, it's Whitefish Bay and that's Bayshore, sure. which, is, yeah. uh -huh. in, which is a totally different vibe yep. there. I am a big fan of hole in the walls and there are some really awesome hole in the walls for different types of food. There's a Hawaiian joint in Tosa that's just unreal. And there is really, there's like different cool sandwich places. And I mean, you can find food from like any type of food here and you will never go wrong taking an afternoon and going into third ward or some other place and just exploring for the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And from a city standpoint, I mean, there's, the Milwaukee Bucks professional sports team, they have a new stadium and a new like area in downtown that's really cool. The Green Bay Packers are, everybody loves the Packers. There's good golf. It's not a huge city, but you have a lot of the amenities that you get in big cities. And I think it's, I think it's a great place to live. And it's affordable too. You're going to be able to live off of your salary without a problem and have money left over. I lived in a, a one-bedroom apartment my first year, and then I since I moved downtown. But you, it's very affordable, and it's easy to get around. And you can get to the airport. You can get to Chicago, and it's 80 miles from Chicago. It's 70 miles from Madison. It's not too hard to get up to the Twin Cities in Minnesota, either flying quickly or driving in five hours or so. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great place. I think we would be remiss if we didn't say something about there is, so Milwaukee is a very segregated place yep. and there is some crime in Milwaukee for sure. However, and I can say this with honesty that I have never felt unsafe, especially not in Tosa. Um, yep. I've never felt unsafe. And I know that the other residents, I think that that's echoed from the other residents and yep. I have friends and residents who live in Third Ward and other places in Milwaukee proper. And I don't mm -hmm. think that they've ha ever had an issue. No. So it does exist. And I think that it's something that you should be aware of when you come here. But it's not a huge part of your experience here in the city. And the hospital's safe. As an example, I mean, in our neighborhoods, there are a ton of little neighborhoods in Tosa. And with frequency, there are kids out in the streets, like scootering around by themselves. And it's very, it has an odd small town feel mm -hmm. in Tosa, especially. So that's about everything I wanted to talk about. Any final thoughts on either your program specifically or on the process of choosing a program? I had the luck or the fortune of being able to do sub eyes when I was applying. 
I think that that is a challenge for the applicants this year. I think you should be critical when choosing a program of the residents. Do you feel like you, people talk about fit and that term gets thrown around a lot. And I do think that it's important when you're thinking about how you interact with the residents and the attendings and what your ultimate career goals are, because you spend an amount of time with the residents and attendings such that it is important for you to be honest with yourself as to what you want and uh, what's important to you. And I think that, I think both Dave and I feel very fortunate to have matched at Milwaukee. I think we were both very, we wanted to come here Mm -hmm. Uh, after rotating here. We were excited to be here. I think our experiences have been very good so far. I mean, you have more experience than I do. 100%. So be critical of that relationship and what's important to you. I think if you do that, you'll have fair experience. From our program standpoint, I think it's a sneaky good program. I think the breadth of the program is amazing. The hand experience, I think, is probably second to none. We do a lot of reconstruction we do a lot of general plastics. You, you just get a really good, well-rounded experience to basically all aspects of plastic surgery. And it's an affordable, cool city to live in. So I think it kind of checks all the boxes for me. Obviously, I'm biased. I'm from the city. But I do think it's a very excellent program in an excellent city. So I think it's a great place. Well, I'm super biased, but I'm, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I <laughs> yeah. think this is a great place and a great program. Yeah. And I think that the med students this year is going to have certainly an unfortunate issue with not being able to do sub-eyes and going to places to kind of get, gather that experience, but you're still going to go through the process. You're going to match the program, and I, I would definitely consider MCW for sure. It's a great place. And so if applicants are interested, how should they go about finding out more? If our emails are on the yeah. website, you can send an email with, to any of myself or Spencer to answer any further questions. Absolutely. Um, Please do. I would think our, I, I believe our emails are on the website. They should be. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I don't know if you can link it in the podcast or something. That's fine. I think email is the best. Please do. I mean, reach out to us or any of the other residents. We're happy to talk to anybody. I'm not sure. I think that it's up until the point that you interview at a certain place that you can't have contact then after that point. So up until that point, we're very happy to answer questions, to talk about the program. Mm-hmm. And we're, all, do, oh, we're doing a virtual uh, sub-eye. Yeah. So it's like a basically over a two-week period, you get a schedule where you come and WebEx into our conferences. You'll talk to many of the staff. You'll get a two, like a virtual tour. You talk and to almost all the residents. All the individual residents, yeah. Meetings. Individually, like in a virtual meeting like this, you can ask whatever you want. Uh, so that's another good way to get a sense of it. I think we're all pretty proud of the program, so we're more than happy to talk about it, essentially. Yeah, totally. Well, thank you guys so much for speaking with me today. Sure. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing to our show via your favorite podcast service and following us on Instagram and Twitter. For more podcast episodes and residency information, check out our website, doctority.co. That's doctority.co. We love feedback from listeners, so please contact us through the website or through social media with your questions or suggestions. See you next time.